0: Welcome back to Not Just Paleo. I'm your host, Evan Brand, and today we're talking with Adam Farah about why possessions and all of the things that mainstream media says will make you happy don't actually make you happy. Surprise, right? This is a fun episode. We also talk about how medical cannabis has helped Adam with his diagnosis of autoimmune GI issue, ulcerative colitis. Now, there's tons of different symptoms that come along with it, but he's been able to alleviate his depression and anxiety among some of the GI distress symptoms that come along with that. So, a couple quick notes before we get into the show. I'm headed out to Pasadena, California for Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Conference. I got hooked up with a ticket to go out there and couldn't turn it down. So, if you're going to the conference, let me know. I'd love to hang out in person. It's always fun to see people in person that listen to the show. And secondly and thirdly, Go to my YouTube channel. Just type in Evan Brand in YouTube and you'll find it. Subscribe to the channel there. There's a lot of new videos getting popped up where I'm on a whiteboard going over a lot of different symptoms and what you can do about them. And then if you want to dig deeper, visit the website, not just Paleo.com. Click the Make an Appointment button. As soon as you get there, and I'll spend 15 minutes on the phone or Skype with you at no charge to discuss how I can help you get to the root cause of your issues and your goals. Here we go and that is medical cannabis and combining that with a paleo lifestyle and nutrition plan because there's so many benefits. If you haven't heard the episode already with Dr. Alan Frankel talking about how he's literally curing people of irritable bowel and all sorts of other uh, diseases of the gut, you have to start there because that's the clinical side of things where we're seeing – insane results with people. I mean, it's actually hard to believe, but yet this stuff is still tucked under, even in the alternative health community, if you will. This stuff is still kind of hidden, and people are whispering about it, but uh, Adam and I are here today to maybe talk a little bit louder about this subject, among other things. So, Adam, welcome.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so Adam wrote a book that I regretfully have not completed the entirety of it. But I've read through some of it and I've enjoyed it. And it's called The Paleo Dieter's Missing Link. And this is this is cool because it's talking about once again, other things that people aren't talking about, which is the BSness that is managing stress, for right. example. That was kind of something that really stood out to me at first in this book is that you can't just be told to manage stress and then good luck you're gonna be fixed after you quote unquote manage stress and i find this every single day when i'm working with people is that if the diet's straight but they're still doing crossfit six days a week they're gonna be a wreck yep so adam did you want to start us out maybe talking about some of what happened with you with your health journey you've had quite a long and intense health journey yourself to discover yep. some of the things that led you to write a book.
1: Yep. Yeah, man. Uh, well, yeah, as far as the managing stress goes, um, I, I don't think, and I, I hope that the conversations I start and that I have helped this, I, I think that there's so much acceptance of dysfunction in our culture that that's where that managing thing comes from. It's like, well, manage your stress. Well, well, maybe two thirds of your stress you don't even have to have and you're only having it because you're living this ridiculous dysfunctional lifestyle that you think you have to live and and that everybody around you is living And it's So I wanted to ask, I I had to start asking the question not how do I manage the stress that I have, but like how much of this stress do I actually need and what do I need to live? What do I need to be happy? So that's that's where that managing things comes from because I think it's just this acceptance that, okay, you're going to have you're going to have two mortgages. Uh, you're going to have five kids. Uh, you're going to be working three jobs. You're, you're never going to sleep. Uh, you're going to be just constantly buying and consuming and chasing the next thing. And you're going to be doing all this stuff. Now, how do you manage that stress? It's like, well, wait a minute, how much of that do we need? Uh, and if we get rid of a lot of it, you know, how much, then maybe there's some stress left to manage, but to just be managing, uh, problems that we don't need to have i think is is it, it's the typical medical model of sort of waiting until you get really sick and then managing the symptoms as far as like living in a way that you don't get sick to begin with so yeah um that's my take on the managing side of things uh and i was the poster child for it um i was uh so i had a, I, I have a bs in chemistry uh from yukon which uh that was a pretty intense program but uh, I made it through just fine and healthy, uh, but I started a career in biotech uh, in two thousand and it was that was that that uh you know venture capital and internet bubble so i was i was right i was working for a tech startup right at the the height of that that constant you know the the ever escalating uh you know stock prices and i got into i got i bought a house in two thousand and one um, So I was like 28 years old, I bought a big house, Um, you know, working a million hours a week, and then I, uh, you know, I'm working a million hours a week, I'm training, I'm doing two different martial arts, I'm uh, getting up at four o'clock in the morning to lift weights, uh, then working, you know, however many days, taking a vacation, you know, for a week to uh, work on my house. So, So it's like, it wasn't even a vacation, it was like, okay, well, I'm not at work, and I'm working on my house, or I'm building a car, or I'm building a motorcycle, or uh, doing some other ridiculous thing. Um, and it was just ever escalating, you know, another mortgage, more credit card debt. It was like this never ending, um, like an arms race almost where you're just sort of, uh, you get a promotion at work and then all of a sudden your, your, your clothes aren't right for your new position. So now you take your, whatever minor raise you got and you got to update your wardrobe. And so now you're just, you're just, you're living at a higher level, but you're still living paycheck to paycheck. You're still stressed out of your mind. There was like, never, no matter how hard I worked to get somewhere in my career, it just required like the next step for debt or the next step for spending. There was never like uh, okay, I'm here now I can just, whatever, it was always like just, and then, uh It really brought, when I had my massive health breakdown, I had started an MBA program at night. So, so on top of everything, I was doing like a two, two classes, uh, two classes a semester in an MBA program at night. And, uh, within, I started that in September, took my last motorcycle ride in September. And, and by October, I was almost dead from ulcerative colitis and a million other problems. And that was kind of the, that was the descent into this whole thing.
0: Yeah, so people may not be familiar, I'm sure they are, but if they're not familiar with ulcerative colitis, fill us in on that, because that's a a hell of a diagnosis to to get.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because I've talked to some people who, um, I remember this one woman who, who supposedly had it, I think she had a very, very mild case of it, which I had had, I mean, I had these little sort of little blood in the stool here or a little bit of something there for years, you know, like not a lot. And it was always like, I sleep and I feel fine. My digestion goes back to normal. So it was, it was sort of developing, but, and I had uh, I had a, a proctitis thing for about not too long and that resolved. Um, so there were these little hints that there was a problem coming, but it's sort of like, as, as long as the problem went away and I could get back to my dysfunctional lifestyle, I was fine. So um, yeah, so not everybody's aware that like you can have very mild ulcerative colitis, which is basically you go to the bathroom and you see a little mucus or something, or a little bit of blood, or, or um, maybe you don't digest this or that so well. Um, in my case, it, it basically was, other than these little hints of stuff over the years uh, that always resolved, uh, I basically went from perfectly healthy, perfectly normal stools, everything, to... Pooping blood twenty or thirty times a day, um, emaciated. I mean, 100. And, uh, I'm 5'9", but I was, you know, my training peak. I was probably about 180, 190 pounds. I was, I probably went down to 110, 120. Uh, I was just emaciated. I looked, I looked like a, a concentration camp victim, uh, anemic. I needed multiple blood transfusions uh, from anemia, just from from pooping out so much blood. Um, and then you get into all sorts of other complications, um, with like, well, like my hair was falling out cause I was so malnourished. You can't get any nutrition in. You're basically, you're putting food in and it's coming out the other end, not even digested cause your, your gut is so inflamed. You, you just can't even digest. That's the severe side of it. Um, and usually at that point, uh, people end up, they end up losing their colon. They, they remove the colon and they have the bag and, and, you know, somehow by the grace of God, I didn't, uh, I was as sick as you could possibly get with that without losing any parts, uh, and without dying. But I was probably as close as you could ever get, uh, without going to either of those, um, either of those options. So that was, uh, that was what happened. And, um, it was very, um, very scary. I think it's still the same in the, mostly the same in the, uh, in the medical world i mean they I, I had i had the head of gastroenterology at a major university hospital uh when i was telling him well look you know i'm, I'm eating like uh, bananas and water uh as a smoothie in the blender and i've got these you know steamed to almost down to nothing vegetables that i'm eating and like i feel better like I, you know this this minimal food and sort of the blender and stuff is helping And his concern was that I would have uh, nutrition deficiencies if I didn't immediately add bread to my diet. So I'm having success without, you know, sort of almost by trial and error, which is how I arrived at a lot of the paleo stuff. I'm realizing that, okay, just these fruit, you know, the fruit smoothies in a blender and the steamed vegetables actually are working okay for me. And, and, you know, the head of gastroenterology is telling me about, uh, you know, you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life, you're going to have sur- multiple surgeries, and you better start eating bread um, for your health.
0: <laughs> you need that so, fiber for that colon, sir. you got to be well, healthy. Right.
1: That's right. I, I, yeah, how could, I, how could I be so ignorant? Because fruit and vegetables has no fiber. Um, yeah, so it was, so I, I sort of, I, I went through this period of of being very confused and, and basically alone because nobody will really talk to you I had I had one doctor who was wonderful and she I don't know if she wholeheartedly believed I was going to get healthy but she was willing to support me if I wanted to go the nutritional route um, but uh, yeah there's really I had to I basically I, I I was pretty pretty bold about it I basically walked away from the medical establishment and just wouldn't even see a doctor, wouldn't take Medicaid, just was like, you know what, I'm not even going to talk to them because they're just going to tell me the same crap. So I'm just not going to even, just not even going to go there. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was, it was very alone, you know, now 2015 and in part, I think, because people contact me. So I think I had something to do with it. There's a pretty strong anecdotal connection between paleo diet paleo lifestyle and healing these these inflammatory bowel diseases like Crohn's and colitis, which now it's sort of if you google enough you 'll find it pretty quick back when I was doing it in two thousand and four when I first got sick it wasn't it was like non existent you had the the raw vegans and the Weston a price people um, which was basically all all you had for if you go you know if you're looking for a, a diet for colitis, you really just had those two options which are neither is an ideal option and that's that 's where the paleo thing sort of really set up and and started to work for me.
0: Yeah, and I see it all the time. It's amazing how frustrated and broken and angry, and there's just such a mix of emotions that you get after dealing with the medical industry, and I can't tell you the amount of people that have seen 10 practitioners that are these experts at worldly, renowned hospitals, and then I come to them and give them a simple recommendation, and then the flare-ups go away. Right, And... There's so much money lost, there's so much energy lost, yep, so much time of your life of suffering, quality of life. I mean, some yep. of that stuff's priceless,
1: yeah, yeah no i I was talking to uh, beverly mayor uh a few weeks ago, and um yeah i I mean, you know we can put sick in quotes because i've I've been healthy for a while, thank God, uh you know more or less, whatever other challenges I've had, but I've basically been sick for eleven years in, in one way or another, you know, as far as when that started to all the trial and error and all the stuff I had to figure out and all the things I had to go through. And then like five years of untangling my old life to get, get out of it and get free of it. And, uh, yeah, it's like, I'm like, wow, most I spent most of my thirties sick. That's rough. That's scary. Yeah. And so I, you know, yeah, but you're right. I mean, it definitely, um, it takes a toll. Like that's my whole thirties. Yeah basically lost
0: so how much of this would you say was self-inflicted due to the lifestyle you put so much emphasis on lifestyle in your book yeah
1: um of course you know we'll never know for sure um i think
0: if you had to draw a pie how much of that pie would be the lifestyle go 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 and yeah big money being being a baller all that
1: (laughs) yeah i think uh probably probably three quarters probably three quarters uh i mean yeah one half to three quarters and then i mean probably uh you know i've got some genetic weakness there i mean everybody's got their one or two genetic weaknesses yeah. um that that's going to get hit i mean that happens to have been mine um but uh, i was eating i mean i was even back then i was a bodybuilder so i was eating you know chicken and brown rice and i mean i was doing all the supplements and the protein shakes and the dairy and stuff but i mean i was eating you know everybody thought i was super healthy at work because i was coming in with a cooler bag full of tupperware every day uh when everybody else was going out for pizza and whatever other crap and I'd i'd have a pizza once a week or something maybe but i was i was as from a you know pick up a muscle and fitness and see what the diet is. I was, I was hardcore following that kind of stuff and that kind of training and everything. Um, yeah, I'd say it was half to three quarters lifestyle probably.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing to hear. That's mind blowing. Wrap your head around that people, because once again, I'd say 90% of people that I talk to, they're doing paleo even maybe even what you would now consider something better than the more of a bodybuilder type diet. And they're still struggling. Yep. And if you look at the lifestyle that's behind that, there's generally something that sticks out and that's the place where we have to start. So now when you kind of transitioned from bodybuilding, you said you were you were in the CrossFit game for yep. a little while. Did that start to do its own damage, if you will, if I can use the word damage?
1: Um, I think so. I mean, I was uh again, I you know, I had a had a big house with two mortgages, um had Sort of you know stressful, high intensity relationships um, and dating situations and stuff. Uh, I've, I've been you know I'm, I was single then I'm still single. Uh, you know so a lot of that stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean on top of all that, and then you're you're uh, you know taking financial risks to run an affiliate um, and you know keep the lights on and deal with everything. Um, so an
0: affiliate. I don't mean to interrupt you. You you, yep. had, you had your own gym space.
1: Yeah, I started. Um, I Actually, and and we were talking offline earlier, um, I started as a kettlebell teacher. I I trained with Steve Cotter and Ken Blackburn quite a while ago, um, and the IKFF. I've been involved with IKFF. So I was a kettlebell teacher, and um, I got into – I started teaching kettlebell stuff to CrossFit gyms, and that was when I got exposed to CrossFit. And a good friend of mine who owned a CrossFit – he owned one of the first ones in Connecticut basically said – you know, the kettlebell stuff is cool, but market, marketability. And like, if you want to have a businessman go to CrossFit and I'm like, all right, I checked it out. I said, all right, this is legit. I like it. I read some of Glassman's early stuff and I just affiliated with CrossFit. And really it was within a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school. Uh, and I was involved in the martial arts community, which I still am. So it wasn't, I wasn't, re- I was doing CrossFit, but I was very kettlebell focused. I was very, uh, basics, 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 form, 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 go easy, go easy, go easy. You know, we'll, we'll speed it up later. We'll add weight later. Just let's get the form. Let's get the, you know, I was very sort of in that mode. Um, but even then I just, I couldn't, um, I couldn't sustain everything I was doing and coach multiple classes every day and do my own training. And I actually, talked to Rob Wolf back in 2009. We, we did a bunch of phone calls over the course of like six months. And, um, I was trying, and the reason I reached out to Rob was because I was trying to figure out what I needed to do with my diet so I could, uh, keep training in CrossFit and make gains in CrossFit. And he was basically like, dude, you're with that lifestyle, you're not going anywhere. And, and that was, and then like, it was, we had that conversation and he told me some of the, his opinions about CrossFit, which people can, love or hate or whatever but he told me some of his ideas about crossfit and from the from being on the inside and from having seen the uh, the numbers of people he had seen come through crossfit and come and go or whatever and uh the next time we talked on the phone uh i had already sold my affiliate to one of the guys that i was training with and i was like hey man yeah i sold my affiliate and, and he even said he's like well i think um because I said, you know, this is really helping. Thank you. He's like, well, I think it has more to do with you ditching your affiliate than anything I'm telling you. But um, so, yeah, that was sort of, the. Uh, I, I was not, I, I my body has n- never thrived long-term on CrossFit. And I don't know if that's just because of the escalating intensity that it's always more and more and more. Uh, I don't know if you can program it or scale it properly. I do know that when you're in a, a situation that's highly social, it's a social thing. There's almost a group like mob mentality sometimes. I have never, no matter how many times I went to a CrossFit, whether it was my own, whether it was somebody else's that I was just training at, I always added more than I was anticipating doing, more than I you know, it was all there was always this like, here's what you can lift, but then when you get the music going and you got all these people screaming and throwing stuff around, you 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 amp it up and sooner or later, you know, sooner sooner or later, you you start to you start to break down.
0: Yeah, I've seen that. I can't even count the times. I'd say nine times out of 10. If I run an adrenal test on somebody and I look Mm. into their lifestyle and see that they're doing CrossFit. I don't really come up with diagnoses, so to speak, since I'm not an MD, obviously, but it's what you would almost consider stage three adrenal fatigue, where cortisol is low They're exhausted from the time they wake up and then at nighttime, they may even have a little inverse pattern, a little cortisol pops up in the evening and now they're wired and tired and they can't go to sleep and their mind's racing and their heart's beating fast and things like that. So uh, I've seen it way too much to be able to safely recommend it and I think something you've alluded to (laughs) is kind of what, I think it was what Alan Watts did like a famous talk on one time talking about society is not necessarily your friend. Right. And you talk about that in your book, too, in a different way, just saying that you're kind of pressured into fitting this mold of what a successful human being is supposed to be and yep. living up to these standards and things like that. And you and I both have found out that it's it'll destroy you. That's why I'm yeah. back in Kentucky now and not in Texas. I mean, I was trying to—I okay. had the big, the big cold desk job working for the CEO of it and my health was continually— yep getting worse and i was not able to respond to stress i was becoming a horrible practitioner because i was not able to actually fix myself and it's like how are you going to fix somebody else if you're broken you know what i mean so yeah yeah well uh, yeah
1: that's that's what i that's that bothered that's always bothered me that you know it you've got to be you've got to be the the uh you've got to lead by example and and um you've got to lead by example whether you're training whatever you're doing like you've got to be you've got to be the example of it um for somebody else e- even if it's just that you're you're walking this path toward health and uh but you've got to be the example you c- you can't be all dysfunctional and then and then sort of be advising people about their health um yeah
0: it's crazy and i've seen i've seen i, I guess i don't have to name names but some of the the people out there who you think are the top heads of everything they've got it all figured out i mean there's people that are coming to me now after they've exhausted five to ten thousand dollars worth of all these functional lab tests and this person gives them 20 30 supplement recommendations and then they got referred to their chinese medicine friend and their friend and they got diagnosed with lyme disease and they didn't have lyme disease when i retest them and then they're out ten thousand dollars three years of their life misery and they were trying to go because all of the spotlights were on these particular people. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, you've done some significant life changes and, and downsizing and things like that, as well as I have. And yep. I don't think I've ever been happier in my life. So, so you had these two mortgages, you had the cool desk job and all the money and everything yep. you wanted. And then what's all the credit? Now?
1: Not necessarily the money, right? Just the credit. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, so what's changed, what's changed today for you in terms of, um, you know, space and all of this collections of stuff and, and just talk us through that.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the stuff thing, I'll start with the stuff cause it's very interesting. Um, when I, I mean, the house was, was big. I mean, it was the biggest house I'd ever lived in. It was, it was, uh, three bedrooms, two and a half baths, uh, you know, upstairs, downstairs, full basement, two car garage. Uh, in a decent neighborhood, um, wasn't a mansion, but it was big enough, um, was more or less full with stuff. I mean, I had uh, had a brand-new motorcycle, had a nice big truck, had a ton of uh, tools and, you know, all the IKEA furniture, Ethan Allen, this, that, and the other thing. And, and it's interesting uh, because so what I did is I just finally – I came to a point where I just could not sustain it anymore, had gone through however many stressful iterations of jobs and making a living kinds of things. And I just, I had reached the end. I mean, I reached the end of the money. I reached the end of the options. I reached the end of everything. And I said, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but, um, you know, my great grandfather in the fifties bought this little, beach cottage here in old Saybrook on the, on Long Island sound. And it's a little, it's 800 square feet. It's a little tiny place. I grew up here. Uh, we still own it. And, um, I said, you know what, it's, it was, it was like Memorial day weekend. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go, let me just go to the beach. I'll, I'll go, I'll jog, I'll do whatever the hell I'm going to do. And just, I'll take a break and see how I feel. Cause I was just, I was just, I mean, you just reach that point with the adrenal burnout and everything where you just, you can't even like you can't even get stressed anymore. Like somebody could come and put a gun in your face and you would just yawn and try to go to sleep or something. You know, you just can't respond anymore. And uh, I basically came here and never left. I, I went back to the house once. Um, I threw the dog in the truck, came down here, did some running, you know, just got out in the sun, just did whatever. Did I had a couple of kettlebells with me. And... um I went back after like a week. I was like, all right, I guess I'll go back. And, um, I spent one more night in that house and I got up the next morning and I threw the dog in the truck again. I threw the, threw some, some clothes and I never spent another night in that house. Um, and so. Yeah, I just, I came, so I came here. It's a little tiny house. Uh, My mother was not here full-time. She's now here full-time now. So I share an 800-square-foot house with my mother. And, uh, but I can walk to the beach three minutes down the road, which is, you know, four months out of the year. That's cool. Uh, Five months out of the year. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I have just, uh, so the point about the stuff, which is interesting, is I had this big house and I had all this stuff. And do you know, I've either thrown away or sold 90% of that crap. And I even all the stuff that like I built, I built a couple of sheds out back. Like I, you know, had all this stuff that I, you know, brought with me and I, it it was all garbage. Like I either ended up throwing it out or selling it for nothing. I sold my Ethan Allen bedroom set for what did I get? $650. It was like a $3,000 set or something. And so, what I was realizing, I sold my motorcycle. Yeah, my motorcycle was brand new uh, at one time, and you know, next thing you know, it's a used up piece of crap, and I got $2,000 for it. And I started to see that even the stuff I really wanted to hold on to and the stuff I thought I needed ended up just being, you know, a pain in the ass, get rid of it. Uh, Or, you know, it's not even worth anything or, uh, you know, I'm just going to throw that out. I don't even need it. And I I have so few things now. um, I I think I might this I might bottom out at some point and get a get some nice new things again at some point. But I realize how, how fleeting that stuff is and just how sort of like yeah, your brand new motorcycle is now a used motorcycle, and now it's a used motorcycle that doesn't run, and now it's a used motorcycle that doesn't run that somebody on Craigslist gave you $2,000 for, and you were happy to get it. And, uh, yeah, it's just that whole, like, it's like you get, and I like stuff. I mean, I all my life I've really liked stuff. Um, but I started to realize that, you know, having a few nice things and and just sort of having, I don't even understand these people anymore that are doing what I did, which is you've got like motorcycles and ATVs and boats and stuff. It's like, I I don't even know how you take care of that stuff. Like, how do you even, you know, I, I was taking care of it until I fell apart. And then you start seeing, well, you know, um, if you have three cars to wash and washing one is like climbing a mountain three is a problem. And, and that's, so I just, yeah, I just sort of started to get rid of stuff and, and I started seeing just how little I actually need, which, like I said, I like stuff but uh i started to see how few things you really need to be happy or comfortable or anything
0: it's an amazing an amazing accomplishment to get rid of stuff i mean you're pressured so hard to have stuff yeah so that's that's great man so you just wrote an article for paleo magazine it's not out yet correct
1: uh it's i saw um uh kane Credicott posted a picture of of him holding the issue in his hand on Instagram, but I don't think it's shipped yet. I think it's probably on its way. It'll be out, you know, end of September, early October.
0: Cool. Okay, great. So like we mentioned in the beginning of the show, my idea and my side job, I guess, outside of all the health and functional medicine type topics is to talk about getting cannabis back into people's lives. Yep. It's something that we have a long history with as humans, like I mentioned in the beginning, there's people that are getting cured of irritable bowel diseases from using this with capsules and different things. So there's there's so much new science coming out. I mean, the propaganda days are over. And yeah. I know the alcohol companies are really scared right now. It's kind of interesting <laughs> yep. how the Alcohol Advisory Board is the one that's in control of the recreational marijuana laws in Colorado and all these other wow. states.
1: Wow, I didn't know that.
0: So anyway, that's that's a whole nother topic, but in terms of basically curing yourself, if, if I, if I can dare use the word cure, how has cannabis played into the role? I mean, were you just, did you just smoke one day and realize, Hey, like my gut is not bothering me. Like, how did you even get introduced to the idea that you would be able to use this as something therapeutically?
1: Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, briefly, uh, when I was a teenager, I smoked, um, all, most of my friends smoked. And uh, back then I was like, well, I know this is like really bad for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Cause I'm a kid and it feels good. Uh, and then, you know, I sort of, when I started college at 19 or whatever, I just got really serious and really focused and was like, all right, this, you know, and it was just wasn't fitting my lifestyle anymore. Plus the, you know, going to jail just wasn't really for, for somebody that was trying to do a career the way I was doing it. I was trying to, I was trying to clean myself up, not get in more trouble. So, Uh, But I had had the experience with it. Um, So I kind of knew, all right, you know, I I knew what it was about. And um, what started to click, I I started having all these little uh, serendipitous exposures to it or little mentions about CBD or little something about medical marijuana. But I I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it uh, in large part because um, I had – you know, more or less healed from the colitis with the, the paleo diet and lifestyle. So I, I really wasn't, you know, I wasn't like desperately seeking some kind of a medical solution. Um, what what changed it for me actually is the, I went through a, a really brutal, brutal bunch of years of stress, uh, incidentally untangling and, and extricating myself from my old life. I mean, it's one thing to like have this crazy life. It's another thing to decide to get rid of it. The act of getting rid of, rid of it is very difficult and very painful um, mostly because uh, you know you're you're hooked up to a, a a debt machine and when you start telling the banks you're not going to pay them their money and here's their house they can have the house back um, they don't tend to go down without a fight so I had I had to work really hard to uh, extricate myself. And, and through that, I had an, a very negative, stressful relationship at the time. You can see, you can hear that theme repeating throughout the, throughout the, the life here, but um, had a negative, stressful relationship, etc. And um, through, through a, a therapist I was seeing actually got a prescription for Xanax and got addicted to Xanax. Uh, and I had no idea it was so addictive. So uh, got addicted to Xanax, started going down that Xanax antidepressant started started you know really slight feeling myself sliding and saying this is like this is crazy I, I you know I'm totally drug free I'm this totally you know clean paleo person and then like now I'm addicted to these pills I, I you know so I was struggling to get off of them um, and I started to uh, you can blame Rob Wolf and and his book but I started drinking Norcal margaritas I started becoming, Interested in tequila. I was, you know, int- I would get like the, the the good quality tequila and like I could tell good quality from bad I, I was a little bit of a tequila connoisseur and I started realizing like crap, man, you're a, you're like a drug addict and um, at, That was when the marijuana thing picked up because I was I started to see that the st- the anxiety the depression the, the the Terrible terrible sleep disturbances that really without the Xanax. I wouldn't have even slept I don't know what I would have done uh, but I started seeing all those things were affected by medical mar- or by marijuana. Um, and I started doing more and more research and, um, uh, lo and behold, ulcerative colitis, which I already had a diagnosis for, uh, was a qualify is a qualifying condition, uh, under Crohn's disease here in Connecticut. So, uh, it started to look pretty natural that, that if I could get into something, um, I mean, obviously I needed help, uh, beyond just, you know, paleo diet and yoga. Uh, but I was able to get off all antidepressants, all Xanax, all, I mean, I got off the Xanax so easily. It's, it's one of the hardest things in the world to get off of. And I got off it pretty easily uh, by smoking weed. And, um, basically, yeah, it just, it just became this thing that, that has so many benefits for me. Um, and, and I was able to, I was able to qualify cause I had the, the ulcerative colitis, um, Diagnosis.
0: Yeah, that's great. And if people don't have a grasp of how big this movement is going. Oh yeah. Normal just posted some things out. Normal's a company that's working to reform marijuana laws. The state taxes specific to retail sale has just totaled 70 million dollars in colorado over the past year which is nearly twice the amount collected for alcohol during the same period so it's beating out alcohol by you know 35 40 million dollars in taxes a year so all of these schools are getting tons of money it's just insane how much money is getting into the economy there so i mean the rest of the states are gonna follow suit. I mean, they'd be stupid not to. They need any yep. economic boost that they can right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I and I don't think, you know, so there you've got that and then you've got the war on drugs, which uh I haven't looked at any hard data or anything, but I I just don't think that's I mean, it's it's you know, morally there's there's a lot of problems with the war on drugs and there's there's racial sides of it that that people are really upset about. But honestly, I don't think the state governments it's almost like a a, a face saving way out because i don't think they can afford uh to keep you know the the that type of a police force and 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 be my my uh i have a cousin who's a prosecutor in in new york and he said like 20 years ago uh that they should legalize it because he said the amount of money and time we waste prosecuting nonviolent offenders is is insane. And if we legalized, it it would all go away. So there's a a lot of money getting spent prosecuting, you know, arresting, prosecuting, processing, et cetera, um, for for these minor, minor marijuana possession, possession crimes. And I think that's another place where it's not money in, but it's money not spent. And I don't think the states can afford to spend it anymore.
0: Right. Yeah. And like you've mentioned, and, you know, I've talked about this too, big pharma's at stake. They're scared as well. Even if it's not admitted and written out on a piece of paper, we are scared. Yep. There's so many things, like you've just mentioned, the drugs that you were able to get off of and replace with the plant. So that's just so many billions and trillions there that could be potentially lost.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's, and there's a couple things too. I mean, the, um, economically like the medical model it is very interesting because uh I've, I've never known and i i was a perfect poster child for it but you know i've never seen anybody especially like i mean what i went through with ulcerative colitis and i mean i never got into the hardcore drugs there thank god some of them were still in trials when i was sick and i was healthy before they came out but um i mean i've never and i i didn't do it either i i've never seen anybody you know go to the doctor or go to the psychiatrist for help with whatever anxiety, depression, uh, and, and go on medication and, and come out better for it. It's like you start with one medication. Next thing, it's a second. Next thing it's a third. Next thing it's a fourth. And there's complications. Uh, I've never seen anybody start down that path and not, uh, continue down that path, uh, faster and faster and, 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 and in, a, in a worse and worse way. And it's, it's very interesting how you, you get on the marijuana and it's like everything gets better. So instead of, you know, everything getting worse and more and more prescriptions for symptoms, it's like everything's getting better and it's it's less and less, um, which I think is just, a, you know, a mind-blowing thing. And then the other thing as far as marijuana and legalization is, um, you know, we had the 20th century, the Industrial Revolution, which, which did make us all rich and raise our standard of living, but... Um, There was a lot of there were a lot of people uh, at the top who who had a vested interest in the stuff that they sold uh, or that they had control of being um, being in demand. And and so there's a lot of conspiracy stuff uh, that's pretty easy to verify uh, as far as, uh, you know, Rockefeller and Carnegie um, Hearst, uh, these guys that that. Outlawed both marijuana and you know got marijuana and hemp outlawed uh, to build their own empires their oil empire, the paper empire um, you know there 's all these as the industrial revolution crumbles as as guys like you and I are getting into this virtual four hour work week uh, business model as opposed to working for a company uh, as the big companies are dying laying off um, you know as as consp- you know conspiracies and things like Enron come to light years ago. Uh, there's, there's a lot of this marijuana thing is is following because this industrial age that's dying is actually, um, it was, was what created marijuana prohibition to begin with really for selfish, um, you know, industrial reasons mostly.
0: Yeah, it's insane. I just wanted to mention this study that I just found uh, from researchers at McGill University in Montreal. They accessed They assessed the long-term health of 216 medical cannabis users with chronic non-cancer pain who were consuming a dose of, let's see, they were on average two and a half grams per day using a vaporizer. Obviously, surprise, surprise, no greater risk at all. They had reduced sense of pain, reduced anxiety, reduced depression, reduced fatigue, No no serious side effects. I mean, it's just, it's kind of like, duh, but it's always good to see in a verified, you know, double blind control study, once again, that people are fine and that they're healing themselves. So I have to say, I saw the picture because you sent me the behind the scenes articles before it was published. Thanks for sending that to me. Yep, You are able to get a, an infusion of, I believe it was like, it looked like coconut oil, coconut butter.
1: It's a coconut butter, yeah,
0: and does that have t h c and c b d in it
1: uh i believe it's um mostly t h c it's not a s it's not a specific high c b d uh there, there aren't the uh there are high c b d um uh flour strains available and there are high c b d um you know concentrates keef wax um et cetera oils, but there is not yet a lot of high CBD edible stuff going on here in Connecticut because the program is so new.
0: Ah, right, right, okay. Because when Dr. Frankel came on the show, he was talking about all the different options that people had, and it's amazing how much stuff is out there. I mean, you don't have to be this stereotypical Volkswagen bus person that's just smoking, you know, a a six-foot-tall bong, and you have all this negative connotation from the past, you know, depending on what area you grew up in. I mean, now you can just spread some of this infused coconut butter on, I don't yep. know what you spread it on if you don't eat bread,
1: but I, you know what I used to just, I used to just eat it, but with a spoon, Yeah, you know, it's a table. Uh, I forget what it was. A teaspoon was however many milligrams of THC. And I would just kind of, it was a treat. Like it wasn't, wasn't a staple cause it was, it was like 50 bucks for that little jar. But, um, right. I would just, uh, you know, smoke here and there and then just sort of eat a spoonful of it. Um, And, uh, it's definitely a different, it's definitely a different effect. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of different dosage forms. You do not need to, uh, smoke anymore. I kind of think smoking still is, is probably the best way to do it, um, from, from an effect standpoint, but you know, everybody's got different, um, everybody's got different ideas about that
0: right so what's what's your experience now i mean say you have a flare-up i don't know you maybe you could talk us through some of the symptoms that still pop up for you maybe if you have a stressful week or something like that in terms of cognitive function and you know depression fatigue all these other things that i know coincide with dealing with things um you you know such as the diagnosis that you had there's so much baggage that comes along with that what else changed for you now that you're able to you know whether it's the coconut butter or just smoking, yep. what yep. happens?
1: Um, yeah, so basically, I mean, the, the, the ulcerative colitis stuff was pretty well under control. I mean, not perfect, and then obviously I'd have problems uh, if I had a lot of stress or whatever. Um, incidentally, the main problems I've ever had with kind of a colitis flare-up is when I either I eat some kind of a gluten-free treat or I try some kind of dairy even if it's like raw local grass-fed goat yogurt uh it the dairy sooner or later still wrecks me so um but yeah so other than you know if i'm 100 percent strict paleo and adjusted paleo for my particular uh digestive weaknesses or whatever i really don't have much in the way of problems uh generally uh but yeah stress-wise I, the biggest thing for me that goes away that gets really bad when I'm under even the smallest bit of stress is my sleep. So usually I'll fall asleep really easily early. Uh, but then I will, um, you know, wake up two, three in the morning, not be able to go back to sleep. Uh, before I started the marijuana, I was actually having, uh, night terrors a few times a month. I would, I would like leap out of bed screaming. Um, you know, with a nightmare or just thinking somebody was in my room trying to kill me um, and it's it's pretty the night terrors are pretty intense and it's it 's a very uh, typical PTSD um, problem which you know based on on everything I went through in the last ten years it 's not surprising um, but yeah, so you know massive sleep disturbance, which then if you 're not sleeping for a few days your, your gut's going to go south really fast um, yeah. and your digestion's going to go south really fast uh, anxiety goes up, um, you know, probably testosterone goes down. So like all the stuff like the training and the yoga and all the stuff you, you want to get done gets a lot harder to get done. Um, when you're not sleeping, anxiety would go through the roof, um, inability to concentrate at work, you know, with my work and stuff. I mean, just things would get really, uh, off and within a couple of puffs. Um, and at times I've run out cause I mean, the, you know, the dispensary is not close. It's it's about 30 minutes away. And, um, you know, the stuff's still expensive here. The, the prices have gone down somewhat, but it's still expensive. So I, I don't have like a pound of weed sitting here constantly like I wish I did. But, um, <laughs> you know, so the time it's like uh, it, I will notice that without the weed after a few days, it'll start to get worse and worse. And then I'll end up in a situation where I'm having trouble sleeping or I'm waking up. Or But um, it basically just Resets everything and, and balances everything out, which is sort of what yoga and meditation does. The the pot just seems to do it a lot faster, more effectively, and you know, especially the speed is important. If you're having a bad time, it's it's you know, sometimes you're just too edgy to even do yoga, and even after you do it, you're still edgy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it basically just it it normalizes everything. My sleep gets better, my my moods get better. Um, everything just sort of normalizes and you almost feel normal again. If that makes, if that, if that's a, an accurate, you know, if that makes any sense.
0: That makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's almost like you, you don't feel like yourself until you're able to balance everything out. It's like, ah, now I'm ready. Now I'm ready for life.
1: Right. Exactly. And, um, you know, the, the endocannabinoid receptors, we, we have, uh, endo meaning they're, they're inside of us. I mean, we actually have receptors for cannabinoid, uh, compounds, um, which is, you know, pretty amazing. And they are, they are, uh, connected to the stress, you know, the flight or flight, the fight or flight response. Um, and there's even some thought, some thought that, uh, we might have evolved in parallel with, uh, the cannabis plant because the the plant has these compounds that, that we have receptors for. I don't know if that'll ever be proven or not, but um, yeah, so it's basically like a, it's not the GABA system, but it's sort of a, a similar sort of, a a deal with the, um, uh, you know, the fight, shutting down the fight or flight, getting back into rest, digest, repair, and just sort of leveling everything out and normalizing it. Yeah. And it's interesting too. I mean, um, th- there's, there's so much coming out now. I mean, if you have a little bit of an open mind and, and I, you know, I, I definitely was, was, uh, I had you know, been a marijuana user when I was a teenager. And I, I, I mean, I got out of that whole scene and I got out of those friends and I was very, uh, straight laced and anti-drug for a very long time. Um, you know, so I, I think I had a relatively open mind. Um, I mean, part of what opened my mind too, is I was using, I was using, I mean, Xanax is like one of the top street drugs, uh, in the country now anyway. So it's like, well, wait a minute, if you're taking Xanax in your, your, drinking tequila, uh, you're, you're kind of taking drugs anyway, so you can't take that anti-drug stance. So now it's like, well, what's, you know, what's the best thing for me now? Um, and, and you have a reasonably open mind. There's, there's so much information, um, coming out. I mean, every day now with the, the marijuana and the, the, um, you know, the, the conspiracy stuff, even, even the weed, the weed series that uh, CNN did with Dr. Uh, Sanjay Gupta, weed one, two, and three. Yeah. Um, the first one, it was almost like he was doing it, uh, where, I mean, he's a medical doctor. I am I'm, I'm super impressed with him for switching his stance and going pro marijuana and admitting that he was prejudiced. The, the original weed documentary was sort of like, uh, we're going to debunk this, this marijuana thing. That these stoners are trying to do. And like by the second one, he's like totally sold he's he's totally sold like this is this is great i can't believe that it's being suppressed by the medical community uh i can't believe that doctors are afraid to talk about it this is like you know i mean so he totally went from uh you know a a skeptic who was probably just doing a a documentary to to bash medical marijuana and and like he's a he's a complete convert now
0: yeah i know it's amazing yeah people should check that out you can get it online if you haven't already there's thousands of families moving to these states to get access yep. now because, you know, these local governments and cities and, you know, not to mention the fear and the stress that the fear puts onto your body, that's not good for healing or conducive to healing either. So,
1: yeah, and you've got the amazing. children, you've got the children too. And they, they call, they call these people medical refugees, um, that are, that are flooding into like Colorado. Um, but yeah, there's children, you know, who, who have seizure. they have these seizure, seizure disorders and the high CBD marijuana helps them. Um, it like shuts the seizures down where they're, you know, they're on 20 different medical drugs that that don't help and have all sorts of crazy side effects. And then a little bit of marijuana oil on the gums, like just about ends the seizures. Um, and, and, you know, parents can't, so one, you've got the problem of, does the state even have a medical marijuana program? And then most states do not have medical marijuana programs for children. So even if your state has a, a marijuana program, probably there is a a, a one for you, for the kids. And so, so they're, you know, they're moving to a place like Colorado where they can, um, where they can do it legally, but it's, uh, it's crazy. And it's, I I can only imagine, you know, the, um, the frustration because, you know, for you or I, it's like, Oh yeah, you know, it'll be cool when, you know, marijuana is legal and, you know, there's medical marijuana for kids, et cetera. But, you know, if you're dealing with a, a child that's having seizures every day um, and you're waiting for the government to do something <laughs> about it so you can get medicine for the kid, I mean, I, I can't even imagine the frustration.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, we're out of time for today, but this has been a blast. Hopefully it's as, it's been as fun for you as, yeah, as for me. Yeah, it's been awesome,
1: man. It's been awesome.
0: Uh, just to have a good conversation about all this, please give people your information so that they can check out your book the paleo dieters missing link your website all of that info
1: okay yeah definitely so my book is the paleo dieters missing link uh it's published by paleo media group who um also publishes paleo magazine uh who i also write uh usually one or two articles i have a regular column on lifestyle in paleo magazine and um and then i also write features like the medical marijuana i did an adrenal fatigue uh, series that ran for a year. I did a depression series that ran for a year. Um, so that's all paleomagonline.com. You can get the book, which is actually on sale right now. Uh, and then if you go to my website, which is adamfarad.com and, uh, click on the link for the book there and go to the Paleo Magazine store, then I, I get a little extra cause you came through my site. But, um, you know, either way, I mean, if you just go to paleomag online or you visit me at adamfarad.com, um, you can find more about the book and, um, and you know, that's about it. I'm on Instagram. It's Adam S as in Stanley Farah. So it's Adam S Farah on uh, Instagram and, uh, Adam Farah uh, on Twitter. And, uh, I'm also on Facebook, uh, and all the other, all those other fun places, Pinterest, et cetera. But, uh, you can contact me through the website too, if, if you want to talk about coaching or, or anything else from today.
0: Awesome. Thanks for being who you are. Thanks for being a real person.
1: Thank you, man. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it.
0: All right, man. Well, take care. You too. Okay, bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It's going to be a fun couple weeks here coming up for me and possibly you. I'm flying out to Pasadena, California. I got hooked up with a ticket for the Bulletproof Conference hosted by Dave Asprey. So I'm going to head out there and get to meet some other podcasters and people like like yourself. So if you're headed out there, I'll be there. Can't wait to meet some of you all in person. It's going to be a lot of fun. Going to try to stop by the ocean while I'm there. We'll see what happens. You know how it gets around conferences? It's crazy. Every day's packed, and you barely have time to go back to sleep before you do it all over again. So, anyway, two things for you action steps one, actually, three. One, subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's a great video that I just posted up there about copper toxicity. A lot of you all have really gotten great results and great help by some of the strategies that I talk about in that video. A lot of you that wear your heart on your sleeve, those over-emotional, sensitive people, I've been one of them a long time, so I know what it's like. Go to my YouTube channel, subscribe there, and watch that video on copper toxicity, more topics coming on that YouTube channel soon. That's why I say subscribe so you don't miss it. Number two, check out my Instagram. That's where I'm posting a lot of pictures and a lot of things. Why? Because Facebook and all the other social medias are dying out in my experience. So Instagram's where I'm at. Come find me. Just type Evan Brand. Keep up with all the pictures and in between the podcast thoughts that I have, they'll be there. Lastly, if you want to talk about your health goals and symptoms, you want to optimize your health, you want to dig deeper, discover if you have some adrenal issues, some thyroid health issues, some gut health issues, hormone imbalances, all of that stuff, I'm here to help you. Schedule a free consult back at the website, not just paleo.com. Can you tell I have a fire under my butt right now? Because I do. So I can't wait to talk to you. You'll click the make an appointment button when you get to the website, and we'll chat soon. Take care of yourselves. Get some good food. Get some nature. Enjoy the change of seasons wherever you are in the world. I hope your life is beautiful and everything is falling into place for you like you want it to. Talk soon. Take care. Bye bye. She doesn't have a clue that he's terrible news. Why I'm in the tire, got to watch out, girl. Don't wanna see her by her eyes, out, girl. Cause I've been watching, you've been hurting. Let me
1: be the one that loves you better.